Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am Len. I am your host for this week, and I am joined by our friend Chef Lou Boo, Brian Smalley. Hey, how we doing? And Ian Boudreau. Hello, everybody. And we're here to uh, I suppose you could call this a winter of wargaming episode. I think it counts. Um, But we've talked about many, many Warhammer and Warhammer 40K video games on the show in in the last. Heck, what is it, 14 years now? Um, We've never actually talked about where it all came from, which is the Warhammer 40K tabletop game. And uh, that's where we that's where we are. finding ourselves today. Um, I wanted to start out with just like kind of a general overview. And Brian, I think you're particularly good at this kind of thing. But if you were trying to just explain what Warhammer 40K is in like a minute or less to somebody who had no idea, what are what are we dealing with here? Okay, in the far, far future, everything has gone really, really bad. Uh, So bad, in fact, that all of humanity now uh, serves under one super Catholic church that rules all of the human planets. And that Catholic church is extremely fascist and extremely violent. The bad news is that's the best case scenario for humans in the universe, uh, because it turns out that everything that we dream of and hate and fear uh, is actually real and manifested by humans' own uh, innate um, mental path. And so... Um, humanity went out of space and then all of our nightmares turned out to be real. Uh, and then they found out where humanity was. And so Jesus, who was actually also (laughs) Muhammad and also Nikolai Tesla and also a lot of other people, he comes back in the 30th thousandth year and he unites humanity under his military. And he says, we're going to go out into space and we're going to kick the shit out of all these, uh, people. And then He has uh, 20 sons, officially 18, I think it is. Um, But um, they get stolen by space Satan and separated. And so he takes a lot of his army and he goes out into space to find them. And and then now we are in the present, which is 11,000 years later. Uh, Jesus is dead. Uh, His sons are mostly dead, although they seem to be resurrecting on not on the third day, but on the 11th year. And uh, all of those nightmares are more powerful than ever. And Earth is in bad shape and humanity is in bad shape. Um, but his best son, Robert, uh, has come back. And, and, and Robert, the, the first apostle of space super Jesus of the super papal church, uh, has decided that he's going to kick the shit out of everyone uh, that is currently bothering humanity. And he's doing a pretty go- good job of it. But he's also kind of fucking mad at the church because the church has been really uh dropping the ball since his dad died uh and so we are now in what is known as the indominus crusade uh where robert or robot guillemont as he is actually known is um leading humanity against a combination of the forces of chaos um and also a uh a giant hive mind of what what you would call xenomorphs uh known as the tyranids uh, and they are the High Fleet Leviathan. And if you can imagine one xenomorph from one Aliens movie and then multiply that by 40 trillion, that is what the humans are currently going up against. Uh, and I think that pretty accurately sums up almost nothing. 
there's <laughs> so much like there's so much to cover uh yeah i think i think uh, i've the, been in the hobby for longer than y'all um but i don't oh, think yeah. that gives me any advantage <laughs> other than yeah other than the fact that i often reference things with the wrong name this is a problem that a lot of older uh fans of the of the franchise have is that we remember the older names because things change names all the time they retcon names or they or they just update them and so uh, I still refer to things in what is not considered the correct way currently, because that is how I learned them. No, I do it out of spite. Like, I'm like, mm. I don't care about your branding, James Workshop. They're always going to be the Imperial Guard to me. I'm not going to call them the Astra Militarum. I'm sorry. Y- yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they yeah, lost that did- lawsuit with Sister Act, and now they have to call it the, uh, the Ordo... <laughs> Adeptus Sororitas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's, yeah, laying down the law. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how did you get into the hobby originally? Oh, uh, so I got into the hobby uh, when I was a child. When I was a young boy, we had a, uh, a store that sold uh, Magic the Gathering cards, which I started second edition. Uh, eat that up. And then uh, also they sold like anime VHSs and they sold Warhammer. And uh, and I just really enjoyed reading the old, old issues of White Dwarf. And I also convinced my father to buy me some models when they were extremely expensive. And then instead of having clippers, I just tried to twist them out um, or, or get them out with my hands and ended up destroying them. And so my dad said he was never going to buy them for me again. And so I still followed Warhammer for a long time because I really love it, um, but I didn't start building models again until I was like early 30s because I could afford it. <laughs> and so this is the yeah, thing with yeah. the hobbies that it's mostly people who are above 30. Well, I started in the uh, halcyon days of like my junior and senior year of high school mm. when I had money, but I didn't have bills. Mm. And then ab- abruptly stopped when I moved out and suddenly did have bills. And it turns out that, you know, you can't really pay bills as a freelance writer and buy Warhammer figures, uh, usually. Millennials just um, want everything handed to them on a silver <laughs> platter. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it was it was it would have been around 2007, 2008 that I think I bought my first box and then just went on like a 10, 15 year hiatus until I finally found myself in a place where I had some spare spare cash and was like, you know, I really need something to do that is not looking at a screen, which is 90 percent of my job and also 90 percent of my recreation time. So (laughs) that. uh yeah, uh, Ian, how did you get into it? Um, actually, I mean, I guess my story is pretty similar. Like, I I encountered Warhammer as uh as a kid, sort of. I mean, you know what really was the the patient zero for me was the board game Hero Quest uh, when that came out. Um, Shout out I did. To I, I can't remember how it was, and that was kind of it. Was that a Games Workshop affiliated product? I believe yes. I believe HeroQuest mm-hmm. yeah. was Games Workshop affiliated. It was like a Hasbro published game, but like it had Games Workshop branding or or some sort of. So, but like the idea of like little miniature plastic skeletons and barbarians and things like that was instantly fascinating. That was the coolest game I'd ever owned. I don't think it's actually a very good game, <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean. It, it at some point occurred to me to use some of the model paints I had for a car kit that I think somebody had given me for Christmas one year and use like the leather color 
on the barbarian and silver on their weapons and things. And so I, I'd kind of, uh, yeah, like these miniatures would look way cooler if they were painted. Um, so the idea has been fascinating forever, but like you, Len, I never had the, like, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I was actually in a place where spending, uh, 55 to $70 on a box of little plastic guys made sense. Uh, I mean, made like, you've got to stretch the, uh, the definition it's, of made sense even now. Yeah. But, and it's, uh, it's really, I tell people it's like, expect, expect to go into that store and spend at least a hundred dollars because you're going to oh, need sure. to buy paints. Yeah. You're going to need, need to paste. buy yeah. brushes, uh hobby knife. You might want to get little some tufts green, of grass, green yep. putty. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a minimum hundred dollar buy. And even if you just want to paint one regiment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, but like, so the most, the, the affordable solution for me wound up being video games. And so like I played any Warhammer or Warhammer 40 K video game I could get my hands on for 20 odd years. <laughs> yeah. The original um, Dawn yeah. of war, I think was the first Warhammer 40 K the trailer for the original Dawn of war, or it's the, the blood Ravens versus the orcs. I think that was the first time my brain encountered 40 K. And I just remember being like, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, this is wild. Um, and there, there is like, there's this weird, like, especially growing up in the you know late eighties and nineties, like there's this, uh, like 2000 AD weird heavy metal kind of comics, um, appeal to it. You don't really see this stuff anymore, but it used to be pretty common. I think like having this kind of like weird punk rock kind of aesthetic to sci-fi, which, or uh, cyberpunk was like this, the, like all oh. the, uh, the, rule books and things like that for that was very uh, uh kind of grungy and i i really liked that about i should, I should say that so much of this stuff is is british warhammer 40k is very british much. heavy metal was british 2000 ad judge dread these were all british creations because they all had products of really thatcherite cool. england yeah <laughs> yeah yeah literally yeah. like thatcher was so evil that she inspired this entire like fictional like judge dread <laughs> yeah, spe- and like exactly. specifically like new wave of british heavy metal like where you've got yeah. like uh, some like ripped conan guy with a giant sword on the album cover and he's got like babes you know running their hands all over him it's that specific era of heavy metal yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man of war I mean- you know that yeah mm-hmm it is worth it is worth saying that like it's 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 interesting because I also love the Warhammer video games, and yet I feel like we still have the same problems with Warhammer video games that we've always had, and that it's like yeah, there's a handful of them, but like two thirds of them are dog shit, and and the ones that aren't dog shit never get updated or haven't been updated in some time or simply have ceased to get iterations and it's very it's very interesting and it's kind of unique for the ip that like there's few ips that do as well as this with such poor video game representation on the whole yeah the other, well, and the well the okay. thing i was just going to add was that like even the good ones there is there's such a difference in tone i find from like the way that it feels to go into a Warhammer shop and get some stuff and then like, you know, go through the rule books and codexes and things like, uh, just like we were kind of talking about, like a lot of this comes from a very like sardonic 
uh, parodic kind of like place of kind of like punk rock culture in you know Thatcher era England. And a lot of like the games, even the the Warhammer get games that I like so much, play it pretty straight, which is weird because it's not. I don't know that something seems to, like that, that. There's some gr- there's an element, an edge, a kind of uh, homemade grunginess to it that that seems to be missing from even the best of the uh, of the games. And that's kind of I mean, that's kind of like the perennial debate in terms of Warhammer branding. Is that like, yeah, like the Imperium is very clearly like a satirical send up of like fascism and jingoism. And it's it's like. The, the authorial intent behind it was very much like a, a Verhoeven starship troopers. Like this society is ridiculous. Like you shouldn't really cheer for that. But then like space Marines being cool has made games workshop so much money that it kind of has muddied that uh, a little bit where it's like, Oh, maybe these guys are just the raddest thing ever. Uh, it's which I think is kind it's- of an odd thing. Yeah. I think it's always like they're trying to straddle that line of like the space Marines in the lore of Warhammer 48 cannot help, but be fucking insanely like crazy to look at and awe inspiring and like holy objects to the people who live within that world. Right. And so in order to depict them that way, a lot of times the novels or the books, or yeah, the novels or the games or whatever, they're like, Oh, well when you encounter a human, then you can see how fucking awesome these space Marines are. And then you get the perspective in the books, and this is the perspective you don't get in the games, of, like, space marines are just, like, being super racist around one another, or, like, <laughs> you know, being like, I'm gonna crush this human skull as soon as there's no one looking. Like, they're really, like, they really lack a lot of morals in many ways, most of them. We can get into chapters, you know, unique chapter mm-hmm. situations it, it, some other time. But, like, a lot of, like, Robert Gil- Gilman the most inspiring living space Marine, uh, you know, Primark uh, in the, in the universe right now. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're going to work with the Eldar. And if you don't like that, I'll fucking kill you because I'm, I'm Ruby Kilman. But then he turns around and looks at the Eldar and he goes, and this alliance only lasts until after I kill these other guys. And then I'm going to crush your fucking skull. You, you <laughs> filthy fucking space, <laughs> space elf. So it's like, it's like he's saying those things in the book, like openly, and yet somehow people are still not able to understand that's not the cool guy. Like he's cool in that moment, but like, he's also telling you, Hey, just so you know, don't forget, please. That I'm also like a massive bigot. Like, like that's, that yeah, is yeah. written very explicitly into the character because that is part of the, the stuff. Like he's like, he's condemning trillions of regular humans to die so that he can make his dead daddy proud. <laughs> just like, just like some other legacy <laughs> leaders that I've fucking served in the military under. And so oh. it's, it's very, it's very much supposed to be this sort of dark satire. It moved from, it moved from sort of like obvious, like over the top punk satire to this dark fascist satire where it's like, Hey, we're just going to tell you straight up. This is awful. But somehow through some magic of media literacy, People seem to stop recognizing it as as satire, even though it is still definitely that. Um, it has just changed its tone uh, a lot. Yeah, I think. I mean, there, there's definitely a movement. A lot. We don't even have to talk about this very long, but there's a movement uh, alive now that is dedicated to not understanding subtext or uh, 
or even just text really yeah. um in stuff like robocop and yeah uh, and yeah. well and like and we'll get more into the sort of rumbling uh you know, Demogorgon that is Games Workshop a little bit later. But for their part, they have like made some efforts recently to be like, listen, you're the Imperium aren't the good guys. You can't be showing up to tournaments in like a real like Nazi uniform. Like, <laughs> please don't do that. Yeah, that um, was that was pretty wild. They had to step out there and 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 have to say that stuff to people. But yeah, that is um, one of those things where it's like, I can't believe we have to say this, but yeah, yeah. Envision um, that being the, the outcome. We aren't pro Nazi. This isn't a pro Nazi <laughs> right. org. <laughs> and you know, I think that's you know, it, the we that could be its whole own show. But the just the fact that it, Warhammer Forty K exists in sort of this contradictory superposition between, yeah, it's satire, but also, fuck yeah, Space Marines is what brings the money in. Um, and I don't know that it'll ever really be able to escape from that. Um, but if you get into the hobby, I think that's eventually just something that you, you kind of get tired of arguing about. <laughs> find, find a good, find a good game shop that like has, even if you don't go to like an official games workshop shop, like find a cool cafe where people are cool and like they have rules about stuff and like and, yeah. and make friends there. I can't, uh, recommend, um, I, I'm sorry. I can, I cannot recommend more highly than to go to Gigabytes Cafe in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, if you want to play there, because that is a great shop owned by uh, a friend of mine named David, and they are incredible, um, and the community there is incredible, but they take great pride in making sure that their community is incredible. And I think you need that sort of, you need to find that sort of um, location uh, if you want to really engage with the hobby in a healthy way. Yeah, little little local hobby stores, I think, are where you'll find those, like, those really you know hidden gem sorts of groups of people um uh yeah i, I feel like the, the the official games workshop stores are I, th- I think we described them at one point on this podcast previously is like you walk in and you can smell the desperation because it's like one guy <laughs> and he has to meet his sales quota for the day and like no shade on them they're they're doing what they need to do to pay the bills but i do feel like it's uh it's kind of uh they're also Locking small. Into a hustle a little bit. Yeah, they're also small. Like Games Workshop doesn't pay a lot of money for their stores to be large or have a lot of space to play in, um, and so they don't expect you and your friends to be able to come in and like fit in that room and play, um, because they're usually just like the size of a dorm room. Um, and so finding something owned by a third party usually means you're going to have a lot more tables and a lot more space um, to set up and maybe paint, hang out, or or you know play a game or learn something. Yeah, especially gotta, the ones that, have, that have like painting classes where you can like walk out with the mini. I really love those yeah. those types of. I do have to give credit to the uh, Games Workshop store in uh, in here in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, because uh, it is it's it's big enough. It's not not huge, but like it's big enough for a couple of ga- uh, game tables behind the front desk. Uh, every time I've gone in there, there's been something going on, so it feels much less like and every other shop i've gone into i mean fits the mold that you described just now len but um but this one like it's one of the reasons i decided to actually plunk up uh, you know plunk down on a couple kits was because okay well this is a cool place to actually be um well, i think and it if seems you've like got, the vibe's good yeah i think if you've got like a budget in mind it's fine like just go in there and oh, like yeah. 
don't just tell yourself you're not going to buy more stuff than you know what you had already decided to buy before you walked in and um then you spend double that and leave (laughs) Uh, the the siren call of of uh, yeah just just oh what, dark commune guys they just look just so cool rhino yeah like, you pre order yeah. the new Primaris lieutenant <laughs> he's so, a lieutenant <laughs> I think what, one of the really interesting things about 40k as just like a wider cultural phenomenon is like you've got people who've read the books you've got people who played the video games you've got people who maybe even have like a fully painted army. Um, but I feel like it's a fairly small slice of that pie that have actually played the tabletop game itself, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is it's uh, it, it, you're going to need to whip out a tape measure. It's not played on a grid. It's like everything is generally done in inches uh, where you're actually like measuring weapon ranges and they have stuff like, you know explosion templates for certain types of attacks uh you're rolling lots of d6s to see if you get so many d6s yeah then your opponent gets to roll some d6s to see if those guys that got hit are dead or not and uh yeah it's um i've only played a tiny tiny bit of 10th edition which is the most recent edition Mm -hmm. uh which uh you know there's they're they're very big on like special rules for specific factions these days i feel like um or like everybody has has keywords and like you know their own little little thing you have to remember when you're resolving uh attack or defense or whatever like that um how how much have you guys played in terms of like actually you know doing battles on the tabletop so far i'll go first yeah please. Uh, none yeah. It's none. None. <laughs> none. Zero. Do, so do you just paint or like, do you own the rule book or, you know, do you have dice? I, as like in the, like to, my time in the hobby is incredibly brief. Like I got my okay. first models over the Christmas break specifically just to have some paints, like just a paint project to do. That wasn't it, like you said, I, I wanted something to do that wasn't in front of my screen. So right. I, I'm just literally getting going. I've watched, a bunch of games like and aars and things like that on youtube and uh and, and spectated a couple um games not just a 40k but also like necromunda um at the shop but no i haven't played at all oh i have played uh, uh several games uh, i've played a lot i played a lot of ninth edition games though the thing about it is that i have been moving country um and and career changing and so that is very difficult to get in games of Warhammer. Uh, And that kind of speaks to the hobby, right? One of the big difficulties of the hobby is transportation and setup. Um, If you actually want to play a game of Warhammer 40K and you don't have a pool table at home that you can cover in custom (laughs) terrain, uh, then, then it sometimes can be difficult to play games. And so like, and with my schedule, it's extremely difficult nowadays to play. Um, And so I am mostly relegated to watching uh, the tournaments on Twitch, which is awesome. I love the production on those, and I love that they do it like like football, like American football, where they're using a pen on a screen to write like lines of action to show you where the the different units are moving. I fucking think it's great. Uh, but I like, there's a John Madden of yeah. 40K. No, there's not. Yeah. That's the. I can talk about the casters. We need a John Madden, <laughs> but 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 uh, I haven't played much tenth. 
Um, I do have 2,000 points. Pl- I have plus more than 2,000 points of Karkaradons. Uh, I have, I think, about 1,000 points of Celestial Lions, so I could do a 500-point game or something like that. Um, and then I just have a lot of guys that I just like painting. I have a real obsession with painting different chapters of Space Marines in different liveries and different ranks, and, and I really take a lot of joy out of that, especially with regards to chapters that don't have lore or don't have... Um, established like characters uh but have appeared have appeared in books or or um official documentation but haven't really been seen and i know that a lot of the official painters of like that work for games workshop and who work in um on white dwarf also have that uh they talked a lot about that in the most recent white dwarf uh issue actually um there is a lot of fans who who just like to paint. And one of the things that we really enjoy is painting chapters that just don't get the kind of love that ultramarines get, um, which is every unit is an ultramarine until decided otherwise. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, I have played uh, lots of games of ninth edition. Uh, I have watched lots of games of 10th edition. Um, and the the biggest hurdle really is transportation because you have to safely put your army into a carrying case those things are those things are the actual monetary scam in warhammer <laughs> uh carrying cases that cost hundreds of dollars that's where they get you styrofoam with shaped holes for forty dollars um that's where they that's where they get your wallet uh but then you have to you have to safely carry that stuff i lived in georgia it's very hot you can't leave these things in the in a hot car they will be destroyed by by nature um and then you have to have a table. If you go to a, ga- a, a game shop, a small games workshop shop, there probably might not be a table open because they might be doing a display or a demo game. So you have to check in advance. If you have something cool like Gigabytes, you can go there and there's almost always a table because they have like 20 tables. Um, but that's what they're designed for. Uh, so yeah, and so I think that's the biggest thing. And then you have to call someone. Like I would always talk to my friend John and be like, hey John, are you in today? I'd love to play a game if you got time and so then we would meet up and and play a game joining joining a group of like-minded adults on whatever social media option you have uh, or want to use is also a great way of actually getting together for some games that way you can coordinate with people um but but yeah it's i think that the, the hardest part of the hobby is actually getting together with people and playing it takes time and it takes effort yeah. and if you live in america it takes a fucking car <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, just getting in now, I'm, I'm really curious, like to know more about what the, like I, I get, I've, I've absorbed the fact that the 10th edition is a pretty massive change overnight. Yeah. Um, and, and just learning about it now, it feels like it's a much more streamlined game than I was initially original. Like that I had this impression that it was super complicated mm-hmm. and there certainly is a lot to it in terms of special rules and things, but at its core, it feels like a pretty straightforward um, system of shoot, uh, you know, defend. Like the resolution isn't super complicated. There's not a, there's not a lot to it. I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can speak to that a little bit more, Brian, because I, I like I I'm excited to to learn more about how the game's actually played. But a lot of the fear of complexity comes from earlier editions, which had a lot more. Um, Maybe it had a lot more options, but it also just had a lot of clunk and it had a lot of like excess um, that made things uh, more complicated for 
for new players. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they've done with 10th edition from 9th edition is like make it more make it more common sense driven. When you move, you can move your units through your own units in 10th edition, which isn't something you could do before, which doesn't really make sense, right? There's no reason why a couple Space Marines can't run past other Space Marines. They shouldn't need to, like, make a huge detour. And so now you can do that. Vehicles obviously cannot move through other vehicles, but but your Space Marines now naturally will move through one another. Um, flying rules are more simplified. It's like li- it's line of sight movement. So, you, you know... Vehicles just fly over one another. You're not like having to, to really think too much about stuff like that. Um, the line of sight rules with like spotting your your opponents is 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 simplified. It's like, can this unit, with all reason, uh, you know, be fair, see the other unit? Um, and you know, you get behind your little guy and you look at what he's looking at. And if you don't see the other unit, you don't see the other fucking unit. You can't shoot him. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that they've changed for 10th edition in my eyes is like, just make common sense changes that are like, this, this needs to be easier to understand. There's no reason for this to be complex. Now I will say that you only have chaos Marines, right? Correct. So the, the rules get much more complex when you are playing non Marine based armies in, in my experience. Uh, notably with orcs and tyranids, you are doing a lot more work. You are you are carrying more die. <laughs> you are throwing 50, 60 die uh, at the table and and just trying to do some math. Uh, and so there there can be there can be armies that are more complex. But I think that for the majority, tenth edition is is absolutely the most streamlined edition. And there is they did balance the they they changed and balanced the idea of like how to win a scenario and they've done so much more every month i think since 10th edition to give us these new scenarios to play in to to give us these new sorts of like fights to have to like do these narrative battles where we have like differing asynchronous objectives and and those are really cool you know controlling points and fighting for objectives over the over two and a half turns or two turns or whatever is much more interesting and fast and enjoyable, I think, than than your opponent gets first firing phase and just fucks you, like just absolutely <laughs> ruins your life. Yeah. Um, and so there is a lot more strategy in like a time, like when you know that you only have two turns to make something count and you're going first, there's a real risk of like, I'm moving out into out of cover and opening myself up to getting absolutely shit on. But that is that level of like, okay, I need to make a tactical decision. I need to make a smart move here. What can I lure people out with that I think will survive? What can, what can I use from my various abilities? Um, can I, can I, what can I make use of to, to, to maneuver? I play uh, a lot with reavers, which I really enjoy. Um, and I should say this real fast. Um, competitive warhammer is its own thing playing the game is its own thing if you want to talk about competitive meta warhammer i would just go to the subreddit and ask questions there because it's just completely unique to itself um but i play for fun i like deploying reavers they are guys with jetpacks and knives and skull masks like they're in call of duty and they can ignore um they can ignore height Basically, because they're they're like uh they're like uh 
Yeah, they're they're just little jumpy boys, but they're not like assault troops. They're more like um, ninjas, I guess would be the best way I think to describe them. And so I just have them hopping up the sides of buildings and and coming down on people inside buildings, so, so, or or teleporting in with Tiberos the Red Wake, who is my uh, the Shade Master of the Carcharodons, and he can just teleport in wherever the fuck he wants within six inches of his units <laughs> and start ripping people to shreds. Um, and so like, so, so I think that it's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options, but you are kind of, you dictate how much option you want the minute you buy your first miniature. And so if you're going to invest in something like this, it doesn't hurt to do some research first. And, and pick out something that you actually like so that you're not stuck on a table with things you dislike. Then again, that makes it cheaper for me to buy uh, secondhand armies on eBay. So do whatever you want, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, well, you were talking about objectives, and I think that's probably the biggest change that has happened from when I was playing in high school, which looks like that would have been like fifth edition, probably. Um to now with with 10th it, it feels like they've dialed in the pacing around objective based play a lot better <laughs> than it was back you know back in the day when i was playing it's a lot more about you know securing points on the battlefield almost you know uh appropriately enough kind of what dawn of war did for the computer rts where they moved away from this like just blow up your opponent's base to like, no, it's about how much ground can you hold and how long can you hold it for? I I think, Um, I think most of the changes from eighth to ninth and ninth to 10th were driven by video games and modern video game development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just a much better, like, cause like the way we used to play it when I, you know, when we, when I, we were all buying models in high school was we use the rules from the book kind of but it was more like yeah just have roughly the same number of points and we're just gonna like set these up on the deck or something <laughs> like you yeah. know this this grill is a battle barge and you know uh, uh you know i'm gonna jetpack my guys down from there like we would just be using just random stuff as ter- i remember at one point it's really funny because you're if you imagine like 17, 18 year old kids with Warhammer figures and we were using like this play school gas station playset thing that had like a working, oh, that, ele- working elevator on it. The parking deck. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And we just were using that as like Warhammer terrain. Uh, it's which space it's, station now. Yeah. It's very adaptable. At least the modern rules. It's like, yeah. Okay. If, if, if from where the shooting unit is standing. You cannot see the entire model. They're considered to be like in cover or whatever. Like it's, yeah. you know, um, you can, you could use pretty much anything that you have lying around as terrain. If, if, uh, if you're not, if you have a, enough imagination to not be bothered by the aesthetics of, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's that kind of stuff. Um, Playmobil set. Yeah. So I mean, like, just I like I mean, the logical extension of dumping <laughs> all your guys, like when you're you know seven, eight years old, yeah, and you're growing up in the satanic panic, so you have some <laughs> He-Man guys, but your mom <laughs> won't let you get Skeletor because that's evil. Like, <laughs> I, I, so He-Man is fighting the GoBots now, and <laughs> the, yeah, this is just this rationalized and turned into a uh, 
complete. Yeah, exactly. Industry. Yeah. Anything can be um, terrain with enough spray paint. It's true. That's true. Um, uh, and honestly, like one of my favorite things is building like non-official terrain, like for mm-hmm. um for taking pictures of my little man's or or whatever, like taking scraps of wood from a wood shop and putting together like a ramshackle house. If you've read, you read enough of these books, you know that every single type of imaginable house exists in Warhammer. You could just have them fighting on a farm. Like that's fine. Like if you wanted to build a a farm set and put, you know, a wood shack out there or a a barn, that's within the realm of Warhammer. It doesn't always have to be a fucking cathedral. There's planets out there where humans just got stranded, you know, during the dark age of technology or whatever that just have like medieval castles and shit. Like it's yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. there. Yeah. It's it's all it's all uh valid. The um, the, the Warhammer universe is your oyster <laughs> if you're willing to invest in it. It's it really is. So yeah, I'd say that like that's probably 90% of what I have actually played of the Warhammer tabletop game is those kinds of just like, we're just going to throw some guys on a table and have fun in terms of like, I have a 2000 point army and you have a 2000 point army and we're going to play competitive style. I haven't actually done that, uh, that much. Uh, so you can just buy whatever minis you want and just play against your friends and make up objectives. It's, it's a good time. Um, I mean, I, I would recommend pick up a copy of White Dwarf and check out the scenarios that they write about in there because every single issue of White Dwarf now is like loaded with fucking content. There is not a hobbyist magazine in my mind that I've seen that puts more content for its players out. I genuinely believe that. Um, yeah, so the other thing with uh the other thing with 10th edition is the the upscaling of the space marines as well. That's that's been kind of a <laughs> the uh the 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 primaris uh, your 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 man Rob you mentioned earlier uh which is really I think is in the long run just a ploy to get people to buy all their space marines again, but they do look pretty cool. Um <laughs> I mean I will say that I think I think that a reissuing was an inevitable thing. It was an inevitability that they were going to have to update this shit to look modern from the older models. I don't I don't think anyone could could look at some of the older molds and think, yeah, this will last forever. Um, <laughs> especially when you start putting it up against where we're at with like other model hobbies now if you look at gundam models if you look at stuff like that like they're crazy they're fucking insane with their sprues um and so i think the games workshop does see the writing on the wall and they said okay well we're gonna have to do this and some people are gonna fucking hate it it's gonna make us a lot of money we might as well make it look cool um and and you know i hope really really hope that, that that the other armies do get this kind of treatment even if it takes a few years at a time because, like, you know, a lot of other armies still have some ugly-ass old models. Cough, Eldar, cough. Um, and so <laughs> they really need these updates. But, like, I, you know, I think that we'll be okay if we go a month without a new Primaris Sergeant or Primaris Lieutenant model. I think we'll survive. <laughs> well, I mean, now they're talking about ramping up their production capacity because they vastly underestimated the interest in this reissue of the old world. 
uh, yeah, yeah, the old just launched yeah. sort of. If you pre-ordered, you might have gotten your box of new Old World or Warhammer Fantasy this week, and the you yeah probably the, didn't. I saw the price gouging drama. Yeah, uh, already with some stuff um and scalpers never trust scalpers never scalp <laughs> never support those people no. <laughs> yeah. they're scum i mean um, but like you said like the, the the updates are needed and i know another part of the drama that was or at least some of the criticism that's uh floated around about this new um warhammer fantasy box is that uh these you know they, they don't match the old models they're too detailed which is a weird complaint really but yeah, I mean, consider what people are capable of doing now with 3D printing in their own homes. Yeah. Too. I mean, it, like it's real. If you have access to a 3D printer, there's any number of fantasy and sci-fi miniatures that you could just produce on mass yourself if yeah. you have a, you know, a decent yeah. if, 3D printer. So if you're not planning to do like official play, like official games workshop play, you can save a lot of money just a hundred percent the way to go. Yeah. Printing out <laughs> official minis and running them using the free online rules. In case, so. in case games workshop ever wants to pay me, uh, I don't condone any of this uh, in case they want to spend money on me. Uh, I just got to say, this is terrible. I hate this idea, but <laughs> in the interest, um, in the interest of them uh, never spending any money on me or sponsoring me for some reason. Uh, also like tabletop simulator. You can play you can play whole ass games yeah. of Warhammer 40k in Tabletop Simulator. And that will bring me to my next point. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we're not talking video games. I, I don't I want to talk about <laughs> THQ Space Marine so bad, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna wait for Space Marine 2. It better have <laughs> multiplayer, it better have a fucking unit painter. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh the the space marine series just because it's ultramarines that's always been kind of a letdown for me because they're the vanilla that's what the most players for i don't play it for i don't play Ah. it for the single player adventure i play it to crush chaos skulls there well there you go speaking of uh chaos skulls uh ian you you started out with uh chaos space marines i'm curious uh what led you to your faction choice um, I had been, um, okay. Well, I mean, a, it was because they, they look cool. I think that was really the big thing, but I'd also started reading, um, uh, Aaron Dembski Bowden's, uh, books. Um, there's a uh, soul hunter. I'm on, um, the second one, which is blood reaver. And they're about, um, the night Lords. Who are cool, but I think this detachment is attached to a um, a Black Legion uh, regiment. Um, the and this is kind of the first time I had seen the Chaos Legions humanized in any way. They're not great people. Nobody at all. is, <laughs> but nobody <laughs> who, is. Who amongst us? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, but the, it gets back into some of the like the uh, the Horus Heresy. Uh, uh, some of the uh, the Primarchs who defected basically, and uh, and turned traitor, and you know, it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, you kind of got to hand it to him <laughs> on this. Um, so I, I basically, yeah, I liked the idea of not just, and again, this was a painting project at first, and I felt like it would be fun to do all the, like they have all this crazy trim on their armor, and then. 
you know, as you get into larger models, there's these horrifying mutations. Uh, in fact, horrifying mutations has a, or hideous mutations is, has a stat line on one of the index cards on, on, in, on a data sheet for, uh, <laughs> one of the yeah. cast units. Um, so there's like a lot of organic stuff to, to that, that you could paint to. So it's like, I felt like, okay, this is kind of everything that I want to tackle. Um, just a, from a model building perspective, there's lots of cool detail, but, and then there's, you could get up to these cool, uh, evil looking tanks, but also gross monstrosities and things like that. So that's, that's really what, what drew me to, uh, chaos space Marines. And then, uh, yeah, black Legion is cool because it's chaos undivided. So you can kind of, it, it accepts, um, like units from like if you want, you can take Plague Marines from Nurgle. Um, you, you can basically pull in whatever chaos gods you like, and it's it, they're they're kind of a modular group that way. So that well, was kind of that was the oh, thing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's and that's another huge thing. Jumping from fifth straight to tenth and or ninth and tenth is that like there's a lot of models for stuff that did not have models ba back in my day. Like the fact that like you can just run a whole thousand sons army now. And there's like all of these like corn specific chaos Marine models. Like, I think yeah. maybe there was one. Yeah, like, yeah. I think like noise. You're going to make chaos army. Marines. You're going to make chaos like army players really mad saying stuff like this. <laughs> really? They're so, they're so angry about not having more models. I don't well I guess if if you look at each god individually maybe not but I feel like they have a lot of models uh, if you the across the four gods but I think it was the blood letters they're like oh we haven't had updated blood letters in 6 years or I was uh, I don't play uh, chaos but that you know I think that they have really cool they they have really cool combinations of like demon, demons and and marines that are really sick and sick living yeah. artillery cannons and shit so Brian, you mostly play Space Marines, or do you play any other factions? Yeah, I only I only play Space Marines. I have not painted any non-Space Marine factions. Uh, I play the so with with regular Space Marines, you are choosing a single chapter to represent your Marines, as opposed to Chaos, where you can have access to like many different Dark Gods, and they're sort of. Um, you get you get access to like abilities that are representative of those dark gods uh but like with space marines you pick a chapter and there are specific rules for many chapters who are the uh primary uh descendants of the legions so your ultramarines and your your dark angels and 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 whatnot those guys have their own rule books with special rules for them uh, and then for more like offshoot chapters you can either find uh, like the white dwarf magazine publishes like a new one, each issue that gives you like ideas of like, Oh, here's how their markings work. Here's what their specialties are. Here's ideas of abilities to use for them. And they like actually like create new abilities for them. Uh, but they also have an option in the codex for, um, or for the, in the codices that you can actually like for, okay, well you want to play a space Marine chapter that doesn't actually exist, or we don't have rules for here's how you build that. And here are the options that you have available to you for, for these things. When I was playing ninth edition, 
you chose like I, I would just play my Karkradons as if they were Black Templars, and so they would have the same rules functionally as Black Templars. And then um, Tiboros the Red Wake has his own abilities and things of that nature. But but the now you can do it a little more customy, little little more you get a little more creative with your chapter if your chapter is just one you made up, or if your chapter is one that doesn't have official rules like like Celestial Lions and the Karkradons. Um, or you can use successor chapter rules like celestial lions are an offshoot of the imperial fists. So if I want to play them as imperial fists, I can just do that. Um, and that's fine. Um, but, but yeah, I, I choose to pick Karkaradons and I choose to pick celestial lions. Um, they are my favorite chapters in the quote loyalist unquote, uh, space Marines. Um, and I say that, uh, because the, the Karkaradons, uh have they're they have an allegiance right they've sworn an allegiance to the emperor i don't know and a lot of people will argue about how much they give a shit about the rules otherwise <laughs> um but they uh they will fuck up a terror uh, they will they will fuck up a, her a heretic chapter especially during the bad of war um and they have great books if you want to read about uh the karkradons check out any of the karkradon books they're excellent. Uh, I recommend Red Tithe. I really liked it, um, but they're great. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's an like an ungodly number of Warhammer 40k novels. Um, I think yeah. there's like over a thousand at this point. Like, good grief! I didn't realize. It. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's an unbelievable amount of fiction if you want to look for it. Yeah. Um, well, I you should get say... a sense of that if you look up anything on the wiki. <laughs> Because any say that, wiki like, entry for Warhammer 40k is way longer and more extensively cited than your average Wikipedia article. The the quality of the books though is not consistent, no. um, and I <laughs> I cannot really stress enough that some of the books are like fan fiction and some of the books are books, um, and so you really want to like find that stuff that you like before you go spend the money and the audiobooks are really good from games workshop but they're expensive because they hire uh, actors to do them not just a narrator they're more like british radio plays and so if you're expecting it just to be a narrated book like what an american audiobook would be you'd be wrong and that's why it costs three times as much yeah one of the things that actually got me into like my current like fascination with 40k was talking to Dan Abnett um, in the lead yeah. up to uh, the release of Dark Tide, and uh, I had never read any of his books, which is embarrassing. It's a weird situation to be interviewing an author without having you know read a thing. But he was it was just a really delightful talk, and he he spoke to some of the like the satire at the heart of of Forty K, um, and just kind of what his influences were. So I went and looked up his kind of like most notable series, which is Gaunt's Ghosts. And uh, that's, it's, I think like roughly based a little bit or, or inspired by Sharp's Rifles. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's about a lost, basically a, a legion of the Tanith first and only. They're an, an Imperial Guard regiment that like is from a planet that was utterly destroyed. So they're the ghosts because there's no more of them. They, they come from a planet that doesn't exist anymore. They have no home. Um, and it's, it's just a cool, like, I was, I kind of went into, I'd never read any black library stuff at all and um, read the first Gaunt's ghosts book and was like, okay, well 
no, this is actually pretty. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's like literature, but it was highly entertaining and I felt well written and found a lot of, a lot more humanity, I guess, in this grim, dark universe than I was expecting. So yeah, I, I've, I could, I'd recommend those <clears throat> if you're looking for a place to start. Yeah. The, the way I usually recommend people do it is just find an author you like and then look for their name. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Abnett and Aaron Dembski Bowden are probably the two, like kind of the big two black library authors that I could, I think most people would agree that, you know, whatever they put out is worth reading. Um, and uh, yeah, Gaunt's Ghosts or Eisenhorn are usually where I see people starting if they're getting into Warhammer 40k fiction for the first time, but those are very imperium centric so there might be some better starting places if if you like the other factions but uh, I, I i will i will second gaunt's ghosts as an incredibly good starting place i think gaunt's ghosts is really mm-hmm. great um for a human perspective on how dog shit the 40k universe is within yeah. the human realm <laughs> like it's really crucial i think for people to understand like how hard it is for humans and so Dan Abnett has always done an incredible job of like really painting that picture and making you understand that it's, it's shit. It's just like, it's awful. Um, for it's world people. war one all the time. Yeah. It's world <laughs> war one all the fucking time. Uh, Aaron didn't uh, Aaron AD, ADB, whose name I cannot pronounce, uh, is, is very good. Although people seem a little more polarized on his works. Um, I I I like to jump around. There's a lot of great authors. There's some authors that aren't super good, um, but I've been reading through the um, the 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 um, oh gosh, come on brain work. Uh, the <laughs> Dawn of Fire books, um, and and I've enjoyed all of those. Andy Clark's uh, Gate of Bones I thought was really good. Um, so like, you can find some you can find some gems out there that are that maybe an art an author only has one or two books but they're really good or you can end up reading some absolute dog shit like the salamander's omnibus which i really <laughs> do not recommend do not yeah. recommend that the salamander's omnibus sucks and anyone who thinks uh, i'm wrong can kick rocks cuz it's bad uh i like farsight uh which was uh um phil kelly i think farsight was good yeah uh you know there's a lot of different stuff you know and and so i think that it's it's good to like get an idea of like more just like with buying the models right if you find something cool that you like uh the look of like if you really like the way that the raven guard looks because they're giant cyborg birds then check out shrike (laughs) you know read shrike if you like the if you really like the the chaos marines like 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 in here you should read storm of iron by graham mcneil it's a fucking cool ass chaos marine book where the chaos marines are the protagonist for all intents and purposes um and it's just like a sick book graham mcneil another one who has a lot of books that people really like he works for riot now i think he may not I be think there so yeah. yeah he worked for riot for a long time uh yeah. people really really love the space wolves books yeah um i <laughs> I've I've got a couple of their books. I've got a couple of their audio books. Their audio books are really nice too. Yeah, um, that's and that's my faction uh, to kind of bring it full circle. You don't I mean, say. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. Like, I made a flow chart one time that's like how I pick a faction in a, in a strategy game or whatever. And it's like 
Is there a Viking faction? Yes. Is there a werewolf faction? Yes. Are they the same faction? If so, I don't need to see any of the other books. You can put okay. those all away. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what book three of of uh, Dawn of Fire is for for Warhammer Forty K? The book book three in the Dawn of Fire set is called The Wolf Time. Which oh, is really? Like, yeah, like well, it's that... Wolf Time. <laughs> Because I recently, as I've been catching up on Space Wolf lore, I'm like, they fought a war against the Inquisition. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of like you were talking about with the Carcadons. They've always been one of these chapters that's like, they're a loyalist chapter, but not like, really. Yeah, but they're, they're, also, they're also cops. <laughs> that's uh, the that's problem. True. Well, all yeah. space marines are cops to I mean, some extent. Yeah, ACAB includes all space marines. Yeah, yeah right. but it's like, yeah, and I loved, you know, the there's the space wolf party member in Rogue Trader, uh, which we yeah, might do yeah, an yeah. episode on at some point, where it's like there's you have a whole conversation with him. It's like, do you believe the emperor is a god? And he's like, well, no, not really, but I think it's more awesome if he was just a guy because then all the shit he did was way cooler. It's like, yeah, I vibe with that. So. Um, the 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 space wolves are interesting <laughs> from a philosophical perspective because their personalities could not be further different than the other space marine chapters in a way yeah. that other space marine chapters find heretical and that's what i think is the most interesting thing about them is that they laugh and drink and celebrate in ways yeah. that and the other space marine chapters are like we were victorious time to go Flag- flagellate myself or however the word's pronounced <laughs> in the fucking in my in my c- cement hole that i live in uh <laughs> yeah. in celebration and then this the space was like i'm getting drunk dude it's tuesday yeah, exactly they had to invent special alcohol because normally space marines can't get drunk so they exactly. had to yeah, and yeah, the Ragnar Blackmane, the Space Wolf novels mainly follow Ragnar Blackmane, which I found really fascinating because he starts out as just like this guy like living in Viking times. Like that's basically what Fenris is, is like just it's like just a bunch of Vikings raiding each other and like hunting Leviathans on this terrible ice world. And then some of them get picked by the Valkyries to go be space wolves. And Yeah, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the Ragnar Blackmane, he's He's a child aboard a boat when he's picked up by a, a real like a veteran gray uh space wolf. I forget exactly what they call their their veterans, gray wolves or something like that. Uh, yeah, long fangs. Long fangs, yeah. Yeah. He's on a boat when like a, a, a fucking hydra uh yeah. a, a tra- attacks the boat and uh and this long fang just like single handedly murders it. Uh and then I think he's picked up. I believe that's Ragnar's but he's like he, 12. It's he he's he actually does get like mortally wounded in battle, I think, at some point, because that's like one of the prerequisites to yeah. become a space wolf. But yeah, well, they have to go out and hunt. They have to go out and hunt their brothers who fail yeah. the transition and they, they transition into space marines. But some of them just turn into straight up werewolves and some of them trans, transform into the wolfen. The space wolves yeah. have some very cool slash slightly uh, heretical things that they do slightly yeah slightly whomst among us i was oh i forgot to mention (laughs) if you if you like the idea of chaos marines like like ian does and you like the idea of having like weird pieces coming off of them like flesh or like claws or something like that you can actually play as a loyalist faction and also have those things if you make a soul drinkers army so think about that maybe Hmm. you want to be the the relative good guys but you also want to have 
a man with six spider legs growing out of his abdomen. <laughs> Check out Sarpedon Wait. of the of the Soul Drinkers. One, One of, of the, the benefits. This is just like a uh, like just a note uh, as far as like the hobby goes. Like doing my first group of uh, legionaries. These are just the basic, you know, Marines. Like the, the legionaries are just the regular, you know, troopers for for the Chaos Base Marines, right? But they they have all this wacky stuff on their on their armor, including tons of tiny little tusks that grow off of it as they you know are increasingly changed by the warp. And finding each one of those, like every single one, I know that I've gone back over the model and found like an, a tusk that I missed because they're they're just kind of like flush with the uh, with an armor panel, kind of growing off a part of the trim. They're tiny, like a couple millimeters long. Or there, you know, you'll you'll find one on the back of a bolter or something. It's like, damn it, mm. I missed that when I was doing the bone. Um, but yeah, that, it's <laughs> these are taking me a long time to do. By the way, that is that is the thing that like newer molds are able to make easier is like finding those little pieces and making sure they're marked or making yeah. uh, pieces fit together better or giving you more variety in the way that you pose your your little man. Um, and so it is like one of those one of those arguments for like updating uh even the old world stuff that they updated they they redid tons of molds when they added they didn't just add details they added like functional helpful things to the sprues they added uh variety to the actual designs of the of the of the creatures and so like people complain but they're probably ignorant of like a lot of the changes that are made for the benefit of the person painting it who like we've as we've discussed is almost always not a person actually playing just someone who's doing the painting hobby yeah um yeah John... well, a good example of is uh sorry lynn but yeah oh, I, I bought a, a box of uh chaos space marine raptors and uh that's cool they're i think they're the uh they're kind of the the chaos space marine equivalent to the unit uh brian was talking about they they've got the jump packs mm -hmm. uh can jump around uh, or maybe these are more like the assault marines for the space marines yeah raptors, you can build raptors them are more like of, assault marines well you can also build them into warp talents if you want to which mm -hmm. i think are more like the ninja guys that you were talking about they have like claws on their hands like it's just it's a few extra pieces and different heads uh that you add you have the option to build each figure in the set of five in one of two completely different ways. So um, most of the, like all the sets that I've done have given you at least a couple options for each model, which is cool. And we, we call those blood claws in the space wolves. They're just jump pack psychos who have a fairly yeah. high attrition rate. Cause they're, they're the young inexperienced warriors who just passed the gates of Borkai or whatever. And that you just can't restrain them. They just want to get into battle and fuck shit up. Rest in peace to the, uh, yeah, rest in peace to the sky sentinels, an entire chapter of assault Marines who assaulted themselves to death. Uh, who I have painted one of sky sentinels. Yeah. You did your best, but you shouldn't have an entire chapter of assault Marines. No, uh, it's like building an RTS, just building one unit and just a moving them. And it, it doesn't was, usually go that way. Yeah, long. it was extremely like this strategy either works or I lose the game and yeah. it did not work. That's why, that's why long fangs are, uh, long fangs are, are so impressive in the space wolves world. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're a space wolf and you live that long, like you're probably pretty, pretty badass. Uh, so the selection pressure is high. Yeah in this field um, of work 
Yeah, um, I've also messed around a little bit with some Eldar, which are the space elves. They're they're kind of fun. Um, I like their there's I like any 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 faction that has like super elite snipers is going to be something I'm into. They're one of my favorite um, factions um, in the yeah. lore and one of the worst factions to build and paint. <laughs> um, and I wish they had new models. I would absolutely build an entire army of Harlequins if they got oh, new yeah. models. Um, the yeah. Eldar Harlequins are the coolest fucking units. They are. Harlequins are so awesome. They, they have yeah. the microscopic shuriken uh, guns that shoot out thousands of microscopic blades to slice you up at a molecular yeah, level. They have like a monomolecular like needle whip that like makes yeah. your blood boil and then you explode and die. Yeah. They, yep. They can, they, clo- <laughs> they can cloak yeah. uh, cloaking technology in Warhammer is very like shit. And, and it's almost always at the, at a huge risk because anything that is stealth is, um, Usually they can only stealth like ships, and whenever they activate stealth, they have to drop their shields or they have to deactivate Geller fields to use stealth. Uh, there's a trade-off, um, and it's also like wildly inconsistent because a lot of the tech in in the 40, 40, 41k time period is just that way. And what the Harlequins can do is just on their personal body become invisible at any time they want. And so you've got like ten of these fucking jesters ninja jesters flipping around turning invisible and then boiling your blood from the inside to kill you uh and they have like i think they have like a sonic attack that they can produce from their masks if i'm not uh, similar to the noise marines um Mm -hmm. if i'm remembering correctly or like a disorienting attack they're they're sick as fuck their designs are (laughs) awesome the art for them is awesome and the models are not yeah, um, we talked. I'm I'm just trying to hit the highlights here because I know you yeah. have a hard out. We talked a little bit about Tyranids, which are like Xenomorphs, except they also have like giant kaiju with like bio laser cannons yeah. <laughs> mounted on them. Equal parts uh, Zerg. Yeah, the Zerg are based they on are the Zerg because that's get, what the yeah. Zerg ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people are most likely more familiar with the Zerg, but the Zerg are a, a, a cheap knockoff of the tyranids the tyranids are a weird hive mind version of the xenomorphs yeah yeah um there's a great visual in dawn of war 2 where you've got this tyranid invasion happening on multiple planets in a system and when it happens like the map that you get to pick your missions out each one of them has this kind of like dusty cloud uh kind of descending onto the planet's surface from orbit and it's all, it's just, it's trillions of Tyranids. Yeah. Like this huge dust storm. Yeah. It's yeah, gross. They, um, um, I should say the Tyranids also just got a ton of new units because the Tyranids in the lore are starting to evolve to deal with space Marines. And so the models also got their, what I would say is their like Primaris equivalent update. They've got a lot of really sick new models that are very weird. And the way that they're adapting to fight the space Marines is maybe a little less conventional xenomorph and a little more lovecrafty and horror monster well they've even spun off a new faction now that like the gene stealer cults have their own yeah. army like gene stealers just used to be a unit back in my day they were just a unit in the tyranid army and now that you can feel the whole army of like tyranid infested humans and stuff that's cool is, uh, Cool models. Yeah, the gene no stealers were like them. they're mainly no. for space hulk right like that's who the bad guys are in that like yeah, game. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it's, yeah, it's, Jean- it's go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's similar to Imperial Guard, which I was going to say, John Bolding, three of my panelists has been trying to talk me down from buying uh, because with with uh, with Imperial Guard and Gene Steeler cults, you just need to buy so many models to have a legal army that it's going to be like yeah. four to five thousand dollars <laughs> to actually get to two thousand yeah. points, which is why, you know, maybe try Space Marines or Custodes or uh, Chaos Marines because costs the a lot number less of real models. world yeah. money to get to 2000 <laughs> points that way. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking of before the show was like the cost proposition of this whole thing. And it is like, when you think of it in terms of like, how much does it cost to field, how much is it going to cost me to field an army of this faction? I mean, perfectly valid way to look at it. And it does seem like a pretty dumb investment uh, (laughs) when you kind of total everything up that way. Um, But when I was looking at it from the perspective of I want something to do that isn't computer games related or screen related at all. Um, This is a cool hobby that I'm going to spend, you know, time, you know, enjoying and listening to podcasts while I paint and things like that. Well, like I'm bad at painting still, like I'm just learning. I don't think you are. I don't don't think you are bad at painting. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Like I'm taking like these are supposed to be things you can do in a couple hours. And I've, I've got seven guys done and I've probably spent 25 or 30 hours doing it. So like, that's kind of my, like, it's just taking me forever. I think it's always um, better to take too long as a person who's taught some painting classes before. It is always better to take too long than rush. Like that's the point Something ugly for me. Yeah. Like that's what I'm getting out of this. Like if I look at this from the perspective of I spent 70 bucks and I've already gotten 30 hours of hobby out of this yeah. uh, it sounds a lot more reasonable that way right like that's this yeah this is like, i don't like like looking at video games in terms of like you know dollars per hour of entertainment really but i mean yeah like what i'm like the the enjoyment that i'm getting out of these models is is painting them and putting them together and, and, yeah. and just fussing over them so they've i feel been worth it that way i think it's also different to create something than it is to play through something that someone else created there's oh, yeah, a, is, sure. you're, you're scratching a different itch and, and getting a different sensation in the same way that if i paid 70 dollars for a book and i finished that book in eight hours i'd be kind of pissed off about the cost of that book <laughs> yeah. yeah well like just having yeah. something that you made that you can look at that is cool at the end i think yeah. is something we miss in our digital lives a little bit hey you Um, own those guys you can resell them uh they are yours you do not have to uh you do not have to worry about someone shutting off the tiny space marine that you painted servers and never getting access to them again it's not they're not going to charge an extra 15 dollars for new game plus now they will release DLC. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> they will. It's it all, DLC, all the, the yeah, DLC. It's DLC all the way down. How, how many it's... fucking Primaris regiment boxes are there now? Like 15? Like yeah. <laughs> I think because yeah, I wanted to say that I think that the best investment you can do is like buy one of those big boxes of like uh-huh. two armies because that's like it's just like a really good deal in terms of like the scope of starting the hobby is like the minimum. Like I think the best first investment is to get a box of like an a, a battle box with two armies 
and like actually put it all together and paint it. And then like at that point, like, you know, by the time you've painted half that arm, the, the one army in that box, you know, if you want to do this or not. And then if you don't want to do it, you can sell the unpainted other half of the box. Cause people always want to buy that shit secondhand, um, or go in, uh, have on those boxes when they come out. And you can probably sell your painted army too if you really yeah. don't want to keep them. Or just um, like spray paint all the Tyranids green and invite your friend over and give them to him and you just, yeah. you know, have a little I, skirmish. Yeah. Literally, like my buddy Grady and I, when I was in Georgia, would go in halfsies on every big box that we wanted to get because he would take whatever non-Space Marine faction was in the box and I would take the Space Marine faction. And so we cut the cost in half every single time. And you can find folks who are willing to do that easily with a little um, bit of legwork. The other yeah. option is the combat patrol boxes, which now seem like a pretty good value to me. Yeah. I think that's, you a, if you know what army you want to play, if you, you know, should yeah. probably start with a combat patrol box. That's my yeah. recommendation. Yeah. I think you're like what, like 120 or 100? Yeah, something like 120 to 140, depending on the yeah. faction. And it, it ends up breaking down to being a lot cheaper than if you were to buy all those models separately. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Buying models separately is, is whew, my girlfriend got me. <laughs> A single librarian in Terminator armory uh, armor for Christmas is fifty bucks. Yeah, the characters uh, are absurd. Stupid. Like, yeah, yeah where yeah. it's like forty, fifty dollars for one model. Those are absurd. I can she understand it in, it's like a bloodthirster, but like, yeah, she bought yeah, it in yeah, Australia I'm, I'm, too. This could be like I don't know what money they use, like loony or something. <laughs> this could have been like this could have been like ninety uh, outback bucks uh, or something like that. I yeah. don't even know. Um, <laughs> so yeah. use coupons for the for the outback restaurant. Yeah, um, 60 blooming onions she paid for this <laughs> uh so yeah we've talked about chaos talked about eldar space marines we got you know imperial guard or your regular army guys uh we're bringing we talking about the comedy space. faction now the the orcs oh they, yeah yeah there's there's there is the orcs they are uh uh football hooligans who yeah, they all have cockney accents they all might be made of, are they a fungus of some kind? I think they're, they're, they're a fungus. A... They reproduce asexually. They're psychic, uh, but they yeah. don't, they can't control they it. They don't realize yeah. they're psychic. They just believe <laughs> things like red things yeah. are faster. And that belief makes it true because right. they have access to like, they can manipulate the wars. There's kind of a crackpot conspiracy theory that the emperor attained godlike status because the orcs believe that he's such a badass that they literally like turned him into a god. That might be a thing. The the 32nd orc spiel is that a long, long fucking time ago, there was a different race of people and they created the orcs to be their labor force. And they had these, these orcs called brainy boys that, basically controlled the orc hive mind for some reason or another all the brainy boys died and the orcs rebelled and then started destroying everything that that um, civilization had built that civilization is now dead and the orcs have no brainy boys and so the orc hive mind which is this low level psychic energy is shared amongst all orcs so whatever orcs believe is the strongest orc that orc is actually becomes the strongest orc their cells react to the psychic energy they increase in size and strength and power based on that so much so that an orc with enough self-confidence in itself can become immortal like can functionally regenerate from almost any wound um to wit there was an orc who uh got so mad he I think he ripped the hole in space and went into Korn's uh, like arena to fight the god of blood and skulls. 
uh, and Korn really liked him. Uh, and so now he fights for eternity, killing like Korn's best guys in Korn's domain just for fun. <laughs> for yeah, all this is the logical endpoint of all airport self-help books, by the way. It's, right. It's also it's also a great faction if you're unsure about your painting skills or if you like to kit bash. Yeah. Because all their shit is just thrown together. You could just yeah. You could staple just a piece of plastic you found in your garage onto an orc vehicle, and it's gonna look. It is the best kit bash faction. <laughs> if you got if you got some of that uh, playtel shit sitting around, you could just like add like a safety advisor helmet to an orc and it looks great and everyone will yeah. love it there you go um yeah we got the we got the uh the space communists the tau mm-hmm. uh who are like this weird <coughs> cast multi-species caste society that uses like uh mid-century like japanese mecha anime looking uh combat suits and stuff they have Gundams, they have AI, <laughs> which the humans have made uh, strictly forbidden, and they have um, yeah. they have uh, faster than light travel. Yes, um, but they're very uh, much like a for the greater good uh, hot fuzz group. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. yeah. They're they're a lot of fun. Um, that's another faction I've thought about picking up uh, just because they're easier to paint. <laughs> it's a lot of flat machine surfaces um you've got the custodes which are super super space marines they're space marines with like the it's like the difference between mega man and mega man x if you want to think about space marines versus custodes but there's a few of them yeah there's there you don't need a lot of models so it's it's a great budget faction (laughs) yeah you're basically just buying here it's like an army that's like oops all heroes uh yeah um and uh oh they're they brought back space dwarfs who were gone for a long time they were gone for like eight editions or something uh, the leagues of voton they don't have a lot of models right now but uh yeah space dwarfs are officially back and uh uh they also have kind of an interesting um almost like capsule corp from dragon ball z looking kind of technology I should mention that per cost, they people will do the math for this stuff. They are the yeah. most expensive army to field currently. They are extremely um, expensive. Uh, yeah. If if you do hate yourself, there's the Adeptus Mechanicus, who seem to be the hardest faction to paint. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's there's so many little mechanical all of bits. its fiddly little arms. Yeah. Um. A hundred percent stuff in the break. Yeah. Uh. I think. Oh, and the, yeah, the Sisters of Battle, the 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 Warrior Space Nuns. Um, They're great. Love them. Yeah. There's also you can also There's play Dark really Mechanicus, cool which yeah. is Chaos Mechanicus. Oh, really? I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, it's a lore thing. I think you can do it similar to the way that you can do a lot of other shit, where you just kind of finagle a new new Chaos chapter. You just add Mechanicus in. Um. There's also a, a ton of other like specialized space marine chapters that I don't think we have time to really get into, but uh yeah, if you like like Mongols, there's there's a Mongol space marine chapter. There's uh Ray you know, Khan, baby. He's the best. There's a, there's there's a vampire space marine chapter, like a lot of there's a lot of chapters that have unique models now. Um mm-hmm. There's the Grey Knights. Uh yeah. 
yeah. which are uh, if you if you really think that uh, knights are cool, but you wish knights were cyborgs, play the gray knights. Yeah, if if you played uh, one of our favorite strategy games of last year, uh, which was uh, uh, what was it called? Chaos um, Gate, Chaos, Chaos Gate. Gate Demon Hunters. <laughs> it's got like a long name. You should play Chaos Gate Demon Hunters if you haven't. By the way, I'm also going it, to recommend that game. It rules. Yeah, it's very good. And then uh, um, Necrons, who are Terminator, uh, Cthulhu are, robot. <laughs> but they're also combined with Brainiac from DC Comics. Like they're yeah. all extremely arrogant. If if the Terminator was extremely arrogant and like like thought he was just the fucking shit, that's what Necrons are. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I think that covers the broad strokes of it. Uh any final thoughts on Warhammer 40k as a as a hobby, as a tabletop game? Uh where we I, uh, wrap this one up. I just had a couple questions from from listeners who wanted me to ask these, uh, and and I have answers for them. Uh, if you put the repulsor plates off of a land speeder into a power fist, could you make a super shiver of some kind? I actually think that already exists. I think in the first book of the Dawn of For- Fire novel, uh, I think um, Avenging Sun, I believe the sergeant has a relic power fist that has repulsors built into it so that when he punches someone it's like getting hit by a fucking spaceship uh second question could you build a geller field big enough to take the death star into the warp or is it affected by the square cube law where it gets exponentially less effective the bigger the field is i'm not sure um but the scale and the power of a geller field is relative to the size of the generator there are some fucking huge generators in warhammer um, but also the geller fields are inconsistent in general and so i assume that the bigger it is you're just opening up more chances for possession of demons. Can the Imperium fend off the Tyranid forever? Probably not. Who fucks in Warhammer 40k? The Dark Eldar and the Slaneshi. Uh, those are the only answers. And is Space Marine come also acid? Uh, so Space Marine spit is acid, uh, and also they can ingest venom and then re- regurgitate it at any time once they've learned what it is. Uh, but Space Marines cannot come as they are chemically castrated when they are turned into Space Marines. Um, but Chaos Marines probably can regenerate a dick um, once they've accepted Slanesh as their god. And so those not, Chaos not Marines a, can not a come, good one, though. but Space yeah. Marines, unlike Master Chief, their suits don't jack them off. And that there's, is the end of my questionnaires. There's a reason the only uh, the only Chaos God that doesn't have unique uh, Space Marine models yet, as far as I know, is, is Slanesh. Um, it's got some cool models, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's it for me. Ian, any final thoughts on uh, on Chaos Marine genitalia? Uh, I I think we've we've probably covered that pretty well, but um, I'm I'm having fun with it. I think that it is uh, like I'm I'm looking forward to getting this army put together, mostly just because I like the crafty painting part, and I think that if you're um, like experiencing like model FOMO or something like that. You don't have to worry. I think that it's perfectly valid to be a fan of there's so much Warhammer and Warhammer 40 K stuff to dig into without ever buying a plastic thing that um, I think you can, you can very comfortably be a fan of this world without, without touching it. But, um, but I, I also think that like, I'm just really looking forward to getting to the point where I can put 500 or a thousand points on the board and roll a bunch of dice. And I think, I don't know that that's that maybe that's my uh, uh, solution to Robert Putnam's bowling alone 
problem and the lack of third <laughs> spaces in the, in the country. There's a, there's a place where I can go. I mean, I'm going to be, obviously, if I'm at a Warhammer store, things are being sold to me at all times, but, um, but it functions sort of as one of those, like, uh, those, those places that you can go that isn't work or home. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Well, I think that's everything that there is to say, possibly. Uh, that is the final word on Warhammer 40K. Uh, three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can check us out there at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. We are also at 3MA on Twitter and 3MA.beski.social on Blue Sky. Um, uh, supported, as always, by listeners like you on patreon.com slash 3MA. A uh, special shout out to our Patreon producers, Mark, Mark M. and Bucktown. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, uh, for Brian and for Ian, this is Lynn saying goodnight.